All right, the countdown to week one is officially on as we now have the full slate of games for the opening week of the 2023 NFL season. What a glorious sight that is. It's Friday. It's NFL live on field. Yes, you see them left to right. Keyshawn Johnson, Robert Griffin, the third and Adam Schefter. And of course, week one so important, but we're all thinking about the Jets because they have been the toast of the town since they traded for Aaron Rodgers this offseason and their schedule released last night and beginning with that game against the Bills in week one, the Jets have the toughest schedule in the NFL over the first 12 weeks of the season based off of their opponent's records last year. However, the schedule turns in their favor after that. Over the last six weeks of the season, the Jets have only one game against the team that made the playoffs in 2022. Certainly some high expectations for Aaron Rodgers and the Jets this season. And Sauce Gardner joined us on our schedule release show last night, and he had this to say. There ain't no pressure for me. Like, we're just going to give it our all like we did last year. We're just going gonna to be even better. I ain't going to lie, that boy A-Rod got that swag. I know he's he been around for a little minute, but when he got to New York, I mean, he came with that swag, man. It's great seeing how he approached Every day, you know, when he at the facility, he been at OTAs, just grinding, man. So we just looking forward to the season, but there's no pressure at all. A lot of confidence coming out of New York, but Robert, how much confidence do you have in Aaron Rodgers and the Jets being able to have success quickly given that tough schedule to begin the season? Well, Phil, my confidence is on E, and I don't mean enthusiastic. It's empty. Wow. The NFL doesn't know how good the Jets are going to be. And that's why they're throwing them out there in all these primetime games early in the season, just in case things go bad down the stretch. But what I will say is this, even though that start to the year is extremely difficult, mm. that's why you brought in Aaron Rodgers. Don't forget about your number two ranked defense in the NFL. You don't have to get off to a fast start. Hey, the Tampa Bay Bucks, when they won the Super Bowl, didn't get off to a fast start and certainly didn't win their division and they still won the Super Bowl. So Jets fans, don't panic. This is why you brought in Aaron Rodgers. The primetime games, the key matchups early in the season, it's all part of the Aaron Rodgers effect. You heard Sauce Gardner. Rodgers is instilling confidence in all these guys, and I think the Jets will be okay. Yeah, Robert, I think the Jets will be fine. It, it, look, it, we like to talk about these things because we don't have anything else to talk about. As far as scheduling go, as players, <laughs> yeah, we look at the schedule, and we check the box, and we say, okay, we played them, we played them, we played them. But we don't know what these teams are going to be. We don't know what the Jets are going to be. We have no idea what the Bills look like. Leslie Frazier isn't there. They're struggling in the running game. Can they, can they rush the passer? But we know that the Jets needed one thing. They needed a quarterback. Mm. If, they get, if they had a quarterback, a oh, competent yeah. quarterback a year ago, instead of 7-10, and 10, they're probably 10-7. and seven. They're in the playoffs. They're making deep runs. 100%. Now they got that with Aaron Rodgers. So it's a totally different year for them. They got playmakers on defense and offensive side of the ball. I'm not worried about him a lick. And to me, we just go back and look at the type of effect that legendary veteran, veteran signal calls have had in other franchises in other years. Look what Joe Montana did in Kansas City. Look what Tom Brady did in Tampa. Look what Matthew Stafford did with the Rams. And that's why when we bring up the E, it's for the expectations with the Jets that the league clearly is buying into. And everybody around New York is buying into it. There are people asking... Can they go to the Super Bowl? This is something that we haven't talked about with the New York Jets in quite some time. The expectations are as lofty as they have been 
in a very long period of time. The league is counting on the Jets. Their fans are counting on the Jets. They've mm. been the lead of NFL Live, SportsCenter, Get Up. Everybody's talking about the Jets. And something tells me that as a result of that, everybody this fall will be gunning for the Jets. But that's how it goes when you get the attention they have. Hey, Shefty, as a point of clarity, for about three months there, you're getting texts from neighbors, friends, family, high school friends asking yeah. you, <laughs> will Aaron Rodgers be traded to the Jets? Has that been replaced with, are they going to the Super Bowl? And if so, can I get tickets? Not to the <laughs> highest frequency field, but yes, there have been people who have asked me that at the gas station or wherever. It's a constant question now. I was at the dentist the other day. The dentist said, are they going to the Super Bowl? Well, let, let's slow your roll a little bit. Let's get back to cleaning my teeth, okay? And we'll talk about the Super Bowl this season when we see how Aaron Rodgers fits in. Yeah, if you lie to me and tell me I have no cavities, then sure, yeah, they're going to the Super Bowl. No big deal. Uh, the other side of that week one Monday Night Football matchup is the not-to-be-overlooked Bills, who, of course, went 13-3 and last season, and that six they have six primetime games they're going to play this season. That's tied for the most in the NFL other highlights from their schedule include the fact they will not play on the road in consecutive weeks at any point this season. That's the only team in the NFL that can make that claim. However, the Bills will face a challenging stretch at the end of the season when five of their last six games will be played against teams that made the playoffs last year. That includes games on the road against Philadelphia and Kansas City. We talked about them a bit earlier. But what do the Bills need to change this season in order to bounce back from that early playoff exit last year? Well, I think you you got to first start off by looking at what they do offensively, right? Quarterback runs the ball way too much. So they've got to establish a strong running game, a four-minute offense-type situation, protect their quarterback. On top of that, in the passing game, somebody needs to emerge to help Stephon Diggs out. Then when you look on the defensive side of the ball, they've got to replace Leslie Frazier. So at the end of the day, you say, hey, okay, can they replace – Leslie Frazier as a D.C. and get it done with Sean McDermott wearing two hats as a head coach and a defensive coordinator. Can Von Miller come back off an injury and be Von Miller that we saw with the Rams? If they can put all that together, then I think they'll make a strong run in the AFC. If not, we'll be talking about something different at the end of the year. Well, guys, I think the AFC East in particular still runs through Buffalo. Right, They're going to have a top-five offense and a top-five defense. We've seen Von Miller come back from injury and still be his dominant self, if not more dominant. So getting the sack master back is going to alleviate not having Leslie Frazier anymore. Now, Key, to your point about them needing a strong running game, I was on that train all, to- all the time last year. I'm backing away from that a little bit because the Bills are not built for Josh Allen to not be Superman. When you go out and you have Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox, you draft Dalton Kincaid, you got Khalil Shakur there, you're built to throw the ball around and sling it. I like James Cook, and I like Damian Harris in that combination, but I think the weapons that they have on offense is going to make the offensive coordinator shy away from running the ball and taking the ball out of your best player's hands, which is Josh Allen. So Josh Allen, go out there, fully lean into being Superman because that's when the Bills are at their best. And I still think they will be a dominant force in the AFC. No, and, and you're, 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 you're right, though, Robert, in terms of not taking the ball out of the playmaker's hand at the quarterback position. But when you look at certain teams in the end that get it done, they can run the football. When you talk about teams like San Francisco right. and the NFC, they can run the football. You talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, they can run the football, okay? Hmm. You talk about Cincinnati. They can run the football with Joe Mixon or Baltimore. We can go on and on and on. Yeah. You can't just live and die 
with yeah. your quarterback running the football because those guys on the other side, eventually, they're going to get him. They're going to get him. You know you played the quarterback position and you yeah. ran the ball extremely well. Yeah. You don't want to take too many hits at the quarterback spot. And they went out and added not only Damian Harris, but they added Latavius Murray. So they added two big physical backs, and they did that with the idea that I think they want to be aggressive about running the football. I think they don't want to have to lean on Josh Allen making magic every single play. Damian Harris, one of the more underrated backs out there, and again, he's got a different type of style than what they've had there in Buffalo, as does Latavius Murray. So they're set up to be able to do something that they didn't do especially well last season. Yeah, and their head coach, uh, Sean McDermott, he was in Carolina when he saw Cam at the peak of his powers, and then he saw what happened on the other side when Cam and all those pick, all those hits he took over several years kind of reached the attrition level, and next thing you know, Cam became a different player. We have a developing story here into NFL Live, and Shefty, a Tom Brady update. What's going on with the GOAT? Well, Phil, we have Tom Brady in deep discussions with the Raiders and their owner, Mark Davis, about becoming a limited owner in the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, it would be a passive ownership. He would not be involved in day-to-day decisions with the franchise. It would not be like he's sitting in the war room or telling his former offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, what offense he should run or types of players he should have out there. But there have been discussions going on for weeks. It certainly seems like it is on a path to happening. Brady, his ownership would have to be approved by 24 owners. Hard to imagine that they would stand in the way of that happening. So right now, it is tracking for Tom Brady to become a limited owner of the Las Vegas Raiders. Jeffy, there would be 31 owners that would vote in favor of Tom Brady because that would mean he couldn't come back and play anymore. I don't believe you can be a player and an owner at the same time. So they could officially put a nail in the coffin of Tom Brady's NFL career by voting him an owner. Is that what you're sort of sensing well, as well? Well, the league would have to approve that. Owners would have to discuss it. I mean, we wouldn't rule it out. Look, nobody is expecting that he's coming back. We believe him, and we're taking him at his word that he's done playing for good. Yeah. But that still could come upfield, and the owners would have to approve it. So let's not completely close it out. Just Man, yet. I can't. My head is just going to spin if we start the hearing The idea Tom of it is Brady just fun return. anyway. So yes, the yes. idea of it is just fun. The no idea of it is fun. About that. No question about that. We're just getting started here on NFL Live. Bryce Young hits the field as a Panther for the first time today. Hear from him and why RG3 believes he is prepared for his big moment. Plus, the Eagles not only lost their Super Bowl, but also their two coordinators as well. He explains how those changes will slow things down for the city of brotherly love. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. 
Better because it has to be. The inaugural XFS, XFL championship game is tomorrow. The Arlington Renegades square off against the D.C. Defenders at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. Coverage begins at 8 Eastern on ABC, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN+. Plus. Panthers begin their rookie minicamp today, which means the first work for number one overall pick Bryce Young with his new team. Here is Young earlier today. It's amazing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful and blessed to have the pre-draft process um, that I did. But, you know, obviously that, that was something that, um, you know, it was, it was working up to this. Um, and, you know, I'm grateful to be here, um, you know, to be a part of this organization. And now that, you know, it's not a hypothetical anymore, um, knowing where I'm at, um, you know, knowing, you know, what the playbook is, knowing, you know, the tangible goals that, you know, I want to get to, um, you know, that the coaches are pushing me and us as a team towards. You see, there's a lot more work to be done for me. Um, there's a lot of, I want to get better at and improve at. There's a lot, you know, more for me to go. This is just day one, um, but to be able to, you know, finally start day one and be able to attack it and be able to, you know, start that process, um, it, it feels great for me. Our Panthers reporter, David Newton, is at Carolina's facility today where Bryce Young worked out and then addressed the media. David, what did you see out of Bryce Young today on the field? Well, let me tell you the first thing I saw, Field. Bryce Young arrived at 12.15, one hour before practice began. He said he wanted to set the tone, and that did it. Once he got on the field, I saw him doing all the things that you heard about and saw on film that led the Panthers to make him the first pick. As Frank Wright, the coach, said, he did everything mentally and physically that we expected him to do. There was one throw in particular I liked. Uh, you saw him move around the pocket, kind of take advantage of, uh, of the footwork he has that's known for, you know, made him known for around the, the world for what he's done. And he was able to avoid a little bit of a rush. He slid to his right made a throw, caught the receiver in a tight window coming across the middle and connected perfectly on that. Those are throws that the Panthers haven't seen a lot of the last few years. Those are the things that the Panthers expect Bryce Young to do. So he lived up to expectations, everything. As Frank Reich said, he was in complete command. Down to He was cutting up into huddle and making players feel relaxed and joking with them. So Again, it was like the perfect day for Bryce Young coming out party. Uh, as Reich again said, he did everything right today. Well, David, it's the starting of a new era in Carolina. Looking forward to your coverage following along with Bryce Young and the entire Panthers franchise. Time now for us to play a game of read and react as we take a closer look at rookie minicamps going on this weekend. And we stay in Carolina at the start, assuming he earns the starting job. Bryce Young's NFL debut will come against the Falcons. That's in Atlanta. That's the first of two division, two division games the Panthers play to begin the season as they then host the Saints on Monday Night Football in Week 2. RG3, what are your expectations for Young and the Panthers this season? Oh, Phil, I've got high expectations for Bryce Young, and I think he should be the starter come week one. That's how much confidence I have in him after going and working with him this offseason. His mental makeup is so much more impressive than anything else he does. This kid went from California all the way to Alabama and took the college football world by storm. He can do the same thing with the Carolina Panthers, and I think he'll be ready to go week one. All right, next we go to Houston, and we have head coach D'Amico Ryan speaking about his new rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud, earlier today, the number two overall pick. Learning the offense, learning, it's like learning a, a new language. So see, then you have to learn how to speak that language and speak it fluently, especially for C.J. stepping into the huddle and making those play calls. So the biggest thing is how much and how quickly can they grasp the terminology and be able to communicate that effectively when they're on the field. 
Stefan D'Amico there. The Texans have the third easiest schedule in the NFL based off their opponent's win percentage last season. However, there is a challenging stretch to start the year. If C.J. Stroud begins the season as the starter, he'll be tested right away as two of the Texans' first three games are against teams that made the playoffs last season in the Ravens and Jaguars with both of those games on the road. All right, Sheffield, let's go to you for a second. What are you hearing about the Texans and their plans in terms of starting C.J. Stroud from the get-go this season? Well, Field, he's going to be given every chance to win that starting job. It's not like they have somebody in place there who's an incumbent who was so impressive in Davis Mills, who played well last year, but they went and took C.J. Stroud at number two with the idea that he's going to have every chance to win that job this summer. And if he goes into training camp, plays well, impresses, lives up to his abilities, and goes in with the right attitude, which he has demonstrated over and over, then he will wind up being the Texans' starting quarterback. I think the organization would like for him to win that starting job. Take a number two for a reason. More from Shefty in just a moment. We go to Indianapolis now, where the Colts drafted quarterback Anthony Richardson with the fourth overall pick. The Colts begin their season by hosting the reigning AFC South champion Jaguars. Of the Colts' first six games, four of them are against teams within their division. That includes two games against the Jags, who are heavy favorites to win the AFC South. E, when do you think Anthony Richardson will make his first start? One, Phil, I think when you look at it, Shane Steichen wanted this quarterback because he reminds me, reminds him of a young Jalen Hurts. He realized, okay, Jalen Hurts in his first year as a full-time starter led us to the playoffs. In his second year as a full-time starter, he led us to the Super Bowl. So guess what? I got the, a mimic of that guy sitting right next to me. Why wouldn't I put him out there? He's better than Gardner Minshew as far as this offense is concerned. We have breaking news in the NFL live, and this is significant news. We turn to Adam Schefter, and a day that we have been anticipating, Schefter, has finally arrived. All right, Field, moments ago, the Washington Commanders' co-owners, Dan and Tanya Snyder, entered into an official agreement to sell the Commanders to a group led by Josh Harris. The purchase and sale agreement calls for Harris and his partners to acquire the Commanders from the Snyder family. The agreement's subject to NFL approval as well as the satisfaction of customary closing conditions. And Daniel Snyder and Tanya Snyder released this statement, and I'm going to read because we haven't heard very much from them. Yeah. We're pleased to have reached an agreement for the sale of the Commanders franchise with Josh Harris, an area native, and his impressive group of partners. We look forward to the prompt completion of this transaction and to rooting for Josh and the team in coming years. I want to repeat that last sentence. We look forward to the prompt completion of this transaction and to rooting for Josh and the team in coming years. So this is an acknowledgement, an admission, that the Snyders now are ready to move on. They are willing to move on. They've entered into this official agreement. They will be rooting for Josh Harris and his team. And even though there have been some questions about his bid, some of the finances involved in recent days, certainly the Snyders would like for this to go through. The NFL would like for this to go through. I think everybody would like to move on from this sordid chapter in the history of the Washington Commanders. And right now it is tracking to happen with the Snyders acknowledging today that they have an official agreement in place with Josh Harris and his group. All right, RG3, as a person who was once the face of this franchise, what's your reaction to this news? Oh, my gosh, Field. Yes, yes, yes. Come <laughs> on, man. Listen, the fans, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me calm down. The fans have been waiting for this moment for, it feels like a decade. Yeah. Okay, so to announce it and finally have finality, 
this is going to be the group. This is going to be your owner. That group has so many DC ties in it. It's going to make the fan base understand that these guys know what they've been going through and they have a path forward to help rebuild this team to be where it needs to be, which is one of the top grossing teams in all of the NFL. So I'm over here punching air in a good way yeah. for the fans because I know it's a party in my city right hey, now. But no stray elbows there, RG3. I see some nice stuff decor-wise behind you. So just be careful over there. But a significant day in the nation's capital with the news that Adam Schefter just shared via Twitter as we'll have plenty more ahead on the sale of the Washington Commanders from the Snyder family to Josh Harris and his group. Much more to come on this significant news here on NFL Live. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Breaking news into NFL Live, and for more on this, we bring in Adam Schefter. What can you tell us about the Washington Commanders? All right, Phil, within the last hour, the Washington Commanders co-owners Dan and Tanya Snyder announced that they have an agreement in place officially to sell the franchise to Josh Harris, the owner of the 76ers, the Devils, and his group. They are awaiting further word from the NFL on the approval process, but there is now officially an agreement in place between the two sides. And shortly after that agreement was announced, Dan and Tanya Snyder released a statement saying that they're looking forward to this process being completed and to the franchise moving on to Josh Harris and his group. And the Snyder said in that statement that they essentially look forward to the prompt completion of this transaction and to rooting for Josh and the team in the coming years. Now, we haven't heard very much from the Snyders at all. So this really is the first public statement about the fact that they are moving on, which will make the people in that area very happy. The people who have rooted for that team for decades, who have struggled through that, been hard for them to root for that team at times. Essentially, the Snyders now will be a part of the fans rooting for the commanders, which is just the way the fans there in Washington wanted it. But it is set to move forward and it is tracking for Josh Harris and his partners to complete this purchase. I should say this also, the other bidder in this process, Steve Apostolopoulos, he spoke to Dan Snyder earlier this week, made a final bid, and clearly Dan Snyder recognized that his best opportunity right now is to move ahead with Josh Harris and his group instead. Thus, the release of that statement today. Now they await approval from the NFL, its finance committee. They will have to go through Josh Harris's finances, but if and when this ultimately does get approved, it will mark the change of a huge 
new chapter in Washington. The commanders will change hands of ownership, yeah. and that is a day that will be greeted with applause around that region. That's well said, Shefty. And what is your reaction to this news, Key? Because as Adam alluded to, this has been a long time coming, and a lot of people are celebrating today. You don't often see that when a team changes hands at the ownership level. Well, it's, it's about time, right, that we have got the official word from the owner, Daniel Snyder, and his, his wife. It's, it's about time. We knew a month or so ago that this was going down with approval from the NFL. Now you get the word from Daniel Snyder that Josh Harrison company is going to eventually take this team over. Now, the one thing that I'm happy about is that you have a minority partner as part of this group in Magic Johnson, a guy who understands business, who understands sports, part owner of the Lakers once upon a time, part owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers right now, the Sparks in the WNBA. He's not coming in on the back end. He came in on the front end of ownership as a minority piece. I, I just like it all the way around. It removes this dark cloud going back, way back yeah. in the history of the Washington Redskins, so to speak, way back when Preston Marshall III was the owner. Now you fast forward all the way to all the ugliness under Daniel Snyder's regime, and now you <laughs> finally feel like it's going in the right direction with Josh Harrison Company. I'm excited for it. I really am. I'm not, a, I'm not a Commander fan, but I'm excited for what's to come of this new uh, chapter in this organization. Yeah, Key, you talk about that dark cloud that's been removed from the team. It's going to make things so much easier for everyone who used to be a fan of the Commanders to come back and be a fan again. And it's also going to lift a large burden off the region and the team itself. Those players in that locker room, all they've heard about for the past seven, eight years is Dan Snyder this, Dan Snyder that. What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? Now they don't have to live through that every single day. Everyone can move forward, put this behind them, and you're going to have, like I said before, a team that was once the cr uh, crown jewel of the NFL. It is no longer in that place. Josh Harris gets to come in with all of his limited partners, and they get to raise their Washington Commanders back from the depths of the NFL basement. And I'm very excited for that for the fans and excited to have an NFL home again. And think about this, right? There's a generation of fans who grew up in New England thinking that championships and playoff games were their birthright. Just equally, there is a generation of fans who have grown up in Washington not knowing what it's like to get to the playoffs, not knowing what it's like to celebrate a championship, watching a team that under the ownership of Dan Snyder had more name changes than playoff victories. Yeah. This has been an unstable, chaotic franchise surrounded, mired in controversy. This will lift that cloud. This will begin a new chapter, and this will be celebrated literally around that city of Washington by people who have grown so weary and beleaguered watching and trying to root for the Commanders franchise. Uh, Key mentioned that Magic Johnson's a part of this ownership group, and he took to Twitter just moments ago and said, quote, I could not be more excited to be a partner in the new proposed, the proposed new ownership group for the Washington Commanders. Josh Harris has assembled an amazing group who share a commitment to not only doing great things on the field, but to making a real impact in the DMV community. I'm so excited to get to work on executing our vision for the Commanders and our loyal fan base. It should be noted too, by the way, it's not just sort of the general tenor that will follow this ownership change. This organization needs a bunch of investments in things like potentially a new stadium, practice facility upgrades. They're living in the 20th century right now, especially when you see some of the setup. 
around the NFL. Again, more to come on this in just a little bit, but 118 days until the 2023 season kicks off. That's between the Chiefs and the Lions. That's one of six primetime games the KC will play this season, tying them for the most of any team. That includes a Super Bowl 57 rematch against the Eagles in Week 11 on Monday Night Football. However, the Chiefs weren't rewarded for that Super Bowl title when it comes to rest. KC will play six games this season on shorter rest than their opponent, most in the NFL. How about that? Robert, one of the biggest challenges for the Chiefs to try to become the first team since the Patriots in 2003 and 2004 to repeat as Super Bowl champions. Well, Phil, I think you have to look on the inside. This isn't about the teams on the outside. They've proven that they can win the Super Bowl, that they can overcome the hump of beating the Cincinnati Bengals. What they have to do is figure out who is going to be their go-to guy outside of Travis Kelsey on offense. They just lost Juju Smith-Schuster and Miko Hardman, and now you're sitting there with Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You got Kadarius Toney. You drafted Rasheed Rice. You got Sky Moore. Who is going to emerge as that next go-to guy that Patrick Mahomes can lean on? Because none of these guys have done that. Obviously, the rookie hasn't even played a snap. But I do believe the Chiefs with the core four, Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, and Chris Jones, that is their foundation for success moving forward. They still have that. They just have to figure out who's going to fill those big shoes left by Juju Smith-Schuster and Miko Hardman. I hate to be redundant, but I got to follow RG3 in this one. It's basically <laughs> the same thing and he's saying. When you look at the receiver position, who's going to – Step up. I think Rasheed Rice, me personally, can replace Juju Smith-Schuster. When you look at him coming out of SMU, all he did was make plays. He catches the football with his hands. He's not a body snatcher. You talk about the other receivers that they have in that position. They have some experience being with Patrick Mahomes. But Patrick Mahomes is such a great quarterback, he can make those wide receivers excel to the next level. All they got to do is catch the damn ball. Mm. Get open, catch the football, because it's going to be in your catch radius. And as long as they catch it, I think they'll be okay. Now think about it from this standpoint. Andy Reid has done it with receivers before that nobody knew about. No one knew Tyreek Hill was going to turn out to be Tyreek Hill. No one knew that Jeremy Macklin was going to do as well as he did for the Philadelphia Eagles. So it's not like Andy Reid doesn't have the experience to deal with young receivers and put them in positions to make plays for them. So I'm not, like, overly worried about them being able to compete again in the AFC because they lost a couple players, not at all. It's the protection that worries me. You got two tackles now, right? You got two new ones. The other two tackles are gone. Are they going to be able to protect Patrick Mahomes so he can get the football down the field of those playmakers? Well, this is what this team does. It adjusts, and it gave Donovan Smith a decent amount of money at this time of the year, the former tackle from Tampa Bay, and it gave Juwan Taylor, the former Jaguars tackle, a lot of money at the open of free agency. So clearly, the Chiefs believe in the two tackles, are confident in them. They already like the interior part of the offensive line. And here's the bottom line. I don't care who you put up there, the offensive line, the wide receiver's key. They could bring you in to play wide receiver. They got 15 playing quarterback, okay? When 15 plays quarterback, that covers up a lot of things. You want to go and play wide receiver there, Kate? You can do it. No. No, I can back up. I can back up Kelsey at the fourth spot. The fourth spot. The fourth spot. Okay. <laughs> I, see, I heard Key say, just catch the damn ball. I thought that was getting ready to lead into a throw away the damn ball, Patrick, which will be great from Key. It's been a while since we heard that from you. Of course, the Chiefs beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl, and the Eagles, the defending NFC champs, have the toughest schedule in the NFL this season. That, based off of their opponent's win record, 
Last year, of the previous six teams that entered the season with the toughest schedule in the NFL, five of them went on to miss the playoffs. That includes the Rams last season, who, of course, were defending Super Bowl champs. Key, in addition to their tough schedule on paper, what do you think is Philly's biggest challenge this season? Well, I just think it's, it's getting complacent for the success that they had a year ago. Uh, when you look at the new faces that will be joining, there's not a whole bunch of them. Mm. This team essentially is the same team a year ago. Obviously, Miles Sanders departed in this situation, but they go out and they get Jalen Carter, they get Nolan Smith on the defensive side of the ball via the draft. They, they trade for DeAndre Swift. They sign, they sign another running back in, in, um, in Rashad Penny along with understanding that, hey, we like to run the football. Our defense is back. Our secondary is intact. We lose Johnson in free agency, but that's okay. Our core group of players are back. Now, here's the big problem. The coordinators, right? Mm. There's no Shane Steichen anymore. There's no Gannon. Mm. When you lose coordinators, there's a major problem. People gloss over that because they look at us as the players and don't necessarily really give the kudos and the flowers to the coordinators. Now, Shane Steichen is the reason that Jalen Hurts is the guy that he was. You lose that. Now, that's a big loss. That's a huge loss. You got to pay attention to Brian Johnson calling plays for the first time. That's my only concern. Yeah, Key, your point of they lost both coordinators. They also lost both starting safeties and Javon Hargrave up front. So for one of the top teams in the league last year, they lost more talent than any other top team. But I will say this. The Eagles on paper are better this year than they were last year. Mm -hmm. No one saw them winning 14 games last year. So what did they do? They went out, they lost all that talent, but then they drafted Jalen Carter and they drafted Nolan Smith. They traded for DeAndre Swift. They signed Rashad Penny. The list goes on and on. But the bottom line is they have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in Jalen Hurts, and they have the big three. I call them the Philly three. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. I don't know how the Eagles did it. I don't know how Howie Roseman got it done, but they are a better team. I just don't think they will win 14 games this year because of how difficult their schedule is. But they will be a better football yeah. team if they win the Super Bowl, and they are more than capable of doing that, guys. Well, Robert, they're a different team, and you mentioned the schedule. It is infinitely tougher, or on paper at least, than it was at this time last year. And this is a reconfigured team. I think we all could agree with that as we look at the schedule and the difficult opening early on and some of the challenges that await Philadelphia on the schedule this year. But this is a team that recognized that it was going to have to pay Jalen Hurts and it was going to have to make allowances elsewhere. And it cost them some players that they would have liked to have brought back. They'd like to have C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who they were unable to keep. They would have liked to have kept T.J. Edwards at linebacker. Couldn't afford to keep him. Obviously, you'd want Javon Hargrave from the defensive line. Couldn't afford him either. Yeah. He went to San Francisco. But they have retooled and reconfigured this roster in the way that they could. Attacking the draft, finding bargains in free agency, making deals. That's been how they've operated this offseason. And going into the season, for whatever it's yeah. worth, they're set up to be, on paper, the most potent, dangerous team in the NFC. Yeah, certainly. They've had a plan for several years now, Shefty, recognizing that at some point Jalen Hurts would no longer be the best bargain in the NFL and instead one of the highest-paid players in league history. Coming up, the guy who's actually the highest-paid player in league history, Lamar Jackson, got locked up this offseason. Plus, he has a new offensive coordinator in town, and RG3 explains how it's now or never for this Ravens flop.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Lana uh, McQueen! No. It actually does not exist. The Boston Bobcats? No idea, no idea. The Pirates! Um, from the islands of the Caribbean. This one is the Red Stallions. Ah. All right, so the Falcons took the uh, that, that, that video to heart and have actually updated their Twitter bio. They are now the Red Stallions, and that video you saw was the Titans' schedule release. And, Sheffy, is it the best schedule release video that you saw from all 32 teams? <laughs> People loved it, Phil. The Falcons have changed their Twitter handle, as you <laughs> pointed out, to the Red Stallions right now, and teams are having fun with it. The Colts have changed their Twitter handle to not the Cowboys. The Titans social media team hit a home run. They mm-hmm. won their social media Super Bowl last night. Congratulations to everybody in Tennessee. That's a major badge of honor for the Titans. Let's move on to the AFC North. As no team had a better April than the Ravens, they extended their franchise player for five years and then surrounded Lamar Jackson with Odell Beckham Jr. and first-round wide receiver Zay Flowers. Look ahead to their schedules. The first five weeks of the season will be key in the AFC North race as three of the Ravens' first five games are against division opponents with all three of those games coming on the road. Lamar, OBJ, and the new-look Ravens offense will be heavily featured in primetime. That begins in Week 11. The Ravens have, excuse me, the beginning of Week 11, the Ravens have a stretch in which four of their five games are in primetime. I'm not sure anybody knows Lamar Jackson and the Ravens better than you, Robert Griffith, the Thursday played for them for several years. What do you think about the moves that Baltimore has made so far this offseason? <laughs> oh, I absolutely love them. And, you know, we talk about Howie Rosen with the Eagles all the time. We got to give credit to Eric DaCosta for what he has done surrounding Lamar Jackson with the best group he has had in his entire career. You're talking about Odell Beckham Jr., when healthy, one of the best receivers in the league. Rashad Bateman, when healthy, top 15 receiver in the league. And now you go get Zay Flowers, partnering him with Mark Andrews, J.K. Dobbins, and Gus Edwards. Guys, you guys know I know this roster because most of these guys I played with on the Ravens. So, at the end of the day, take that defense. Take Lamar Jackson, probably the, the most dynamic player in the NFL with the football in his hands, running or throwing. Oh, my goodness. And, yes, I know we'll say Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the league. Yes, he is. But what Lamar Jackson can do with these weapons around him, oh, my gosh, it's going to be so special, especially with the change at offensive coordinator with Todd Munkin. I'm extremely excited for the Ravens, not really the the regular season-wise, but for the postseason. They're going to have longevity this year. You know, RG3 mentioned the best group of guys that Lamar Jackson's ever had in his career. He ran down the, the names, but he never even got to guys like Duvernay if he could stay healthy or guys in the reserve roles like Nelson Aguilar. But the biggest of all gifts from Lamar Jackson and his development is Todd Muck and the offensive coordinator coming over from Georgia. We know why they hired him. They certainly didn't hire him to run the football on third and hmm. six with quarterback died. Okay, that was something that derailed 
the, the Baltimore Ravens throughout the course of seasons. When you have an offensive coordinator that understands the passing game, Phil, because understanding the passing game and the running game are two different things. They brought in a guy that understands, I got to get the football to the tight end in these situations. I got to get the football to receivers in these situations. That is key. That's why they made the move and moved on from, from the other offensive coordinator and Greg Roman. That's right. Yeah, the first time in Lamar Jackson's career he has played for a new offensive coordinator. And speaking of offensive coordinators, the Cowboys are set to face their old OC, Kellen Moore, on Monday Night Football in Week 6. But now that Mike McCarthy is calling plays, he thinks the Cowboys will be better than last season. Breaking news into NFL Live out of Washington, D.C. Adam Schefter, what more can you tell us? Well, Phil, within the last hour, Dan and Tanya Snyder, the owners of the Washington Commanders, officially reached an agreement to sell the franchise to Josh Harris and his partners right now. Now, they still have to get vetted by the NFL, and the purchase still has to be approved, and Josh Harris and his partners are awaiting further direction from the NFL on when this will happen. But Dan and Tanya Snyder released a statement essentially congratulating Josh Harris on the agreement that he has in place to purchase the Washington Commanders at this point in time. He says that he will be rooting for the Commanders moving forward, and then he looks forward to the prompt completion of this transition. Now, the fact that Dan Snyder is publicly stating that he looks forward to the prompt conclusion and transition of this purchase I think is enough to make the fans of the commanders in and around the city of Washington ecstatic at the news. They keep waiting for this process to unfold, for the process to be complete, and this is the next step along the way to making that happen. Josh Harris and his partners have been identified by Dan and Tanya Snyder to move ahead, and right now they are tracking to become the next owners of the Washington commanders. Shefty, in another sign of the confidence of the Harris group, Josh Harris released a statement just moments ago, and he said, quote, on behalf of our entire ownership group, I want to express how excited we are to be considered by the NFL to be the next owners of the Washington Commanders and how committed we are to delivering a championship-caliber franchise championship-caliber franchise for this city and its fan base. Growing up in Chevy Chase, I experienced the firsthand excitement around this team, including its three Super Bowl victories and long-term winning culture. We look forward to the formal approval of our ownership by the NFL in the months ahead and to having the honor to serve as responsible and accountable stewards of the Commanders franchise moving forward. Robert, great stuff there. What do you think about this news? No, I mean, it's phenomenal news, guys. Listen, the dark cloud over the Washington franchise is being removed. You've got a guy in Josh Harris. As you look at that statement, like the most important part of that is showing the fans who you are as the owner. And I think that's a big piece of what this is going to do. We know Josh Harris is in the group. We know Magic Johnson is in that group. Now the team is going to be able to focus on football and allow the owners not to bring distractions to their doorstep. The fans are beyond ecstatic about this. I've seen a lot of posts on social media. The fans are celebrating. They might want to make sure the streets in D.C. and Virginia are clean and got some security around because people are going to start throwing a parade in that city before you even know it. I'm excited for the fan base. This is a great opportunity for the fan base. In fact, the fan base should be even more excited because it means that they'll probably get a new stadium at some point in time and get out of the stadium that they're in. But I want to bring Adam back in and really quick, and I just want to ask you something you may or may not know, Adam. Is there anything that can derail this from happening moving forward, anything at all? 
Yeah, well, listen, I think that the owners, the finance committee could look at the finances and they could express some concerns, but it certainly sounds like all parties are on board. They want to make it happen. And, and Keith, think about it like this, right? This is going to be a record price mm. in North America paid for a franchise. Football owners are going to want to see this go through, assuming that the finances check out, because all it does is it raises the value of their franchises. When you're paying over $6 billion for a team, Dan Snyder and his partners back in the day, some 20 years ago, purchased the then Washington Redskins from Jack Ken Cook for $800 million. How's the return on that investment doing? Pretty well. So the owners are going to want to see this through, but it will be subject to the finance committee. They will have to check it out, but assuming their checks out, they're going to want this approved, and they're going to want to move on from the Snyder well, regime. Yeah, I guess it'll get approved because that means us four up here, we're not in, in on the bid, so it will get approved. Man, Key, I don't know what kind of money you think I have. I'm just trying to be able to like put my daughters through college one day. Uh, Chef, do you quickly, do we have any sense about the time frame on when this move could become official? <laughs> well, right now, the Josh Harris group is waiting further direction from the NFL, but you would think it would be coming here in days. Okay, so the big headline of the day, one step closer to the Josh Harris group becoming the owners of the Washington Commanders taking over from the Snyder family. NFL Live is back on Monday. Enjoy the weekend ahead.